Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Recorded live. Welcome, everyone, to the Gentleman's Lounge, your home for all things fantasy football. I'm your host, the man who is everything Justin Cook wants to be, the man who single-handedly drove off Richard Laws, Gabe Alswady, Curtis Looper, and all those other skid marks, because in their words, no one can beat Bronson. As I say each and every week, I'm proudly the most hated and feared man in all of fantasy football. Alongside of me is my co-host, the man who sees Laquan Treadwell as a worthwhile first-round pick, who thinks he has a shot to finish second this year in his division? The man who will finish third, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Christian Three. And our very special guest tonight is a man I've known since Dennis O'Brien's class in sixth grade. He gained my respect for his unwavering loyalty to a laughing stock in the NFL, the Miami Dolphins. Since then, he has supported just about every single team in the league. The man who went 11-2 and two last season has only lost his being against me. Someone bring out the Bart's root beer, ladies and gentlemen. Gold standard riverboat one, Mr. Lonnie Wade Hines. All right, welcome everyone. Guys, I think I'm knocking Good evening, out of the park on these. I'm knocking it out of the park with these intros, guys. Uh huh. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah, Christian, you, you Christian, keep talking, keep talking. Christian, that's my intro keep talking. You keep getting better every week. Right? <laughs> Keeps getting more inaccurate if you want to say that. Yeah, whatever. And Lonnie, that was that was pretty great about it. my intro for you. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely fitting. <laughs> All right, guys. So uh, a big topic that's been going around the league this week. Uh, it's one that's kind of getting picked back up on the Facebook page right now. Um, uh, is the expansion of the dynasty. Um, you know, of course, when we started this, we had in mind keeping 14 players, and uh, we tried 12 to 14 last year. And it seemed that 12 was the sweet spot for what we've got right now. Um, and I just wanted to open this up for a little debate here. Uh, I know Lonnie is against any changes right now. Uh, Christian was for it, and he's. Uh, I feel like Christian's kind of in the middle on it to go either way. So, uh, Christian, um, I'm going to start with you here, and I want you to make the case for it, and then I'll have uh, Lonnie jump in and talk about a little bit why he's against it. Right, right. I mean, and as you said, I mean, I can also see either way on this, and I've looked at it on both points of view, and I mean, I see that if we really want to add one extra person to the roster, you know, for at least an extra bench spot for the year, you know, I see one person isn't really going to change a whole, whole lot. Now, any extra keepers, as I already posted, I'm not really for it. I think 12 is a pretty good medium to keep. You know, it keeps it fresh. It makes it to where, you know, you can only keep your top 12. You actually have to really think of what you want to keep. Therefore, you know, it actually also puts some talent back into the agency for drafts, so on and so forth. And, of course, Dwayne says that the system that we have right now is designed to keep the top teams on top, which I would disagree with. We had a guy like Gabe in this league, who was a two-time champion. And Gates certainly couldn't stay on top. His last season in the league, 
uh, Gates was one of the worst teams in the league. I know uh, Poe almost won that division that year. Um, well, what I, what I don't really understand, honestly, is that if you're chiming for more keepers, in which I believe that's his size, he's wanting more keepers, I mean, that promotes even further people to stay at the top because that means if you have 18 people that are all really good, let's say what you have right now, then you can just keep everyone and not even worry about it, and that right there makes it even harder to change. Yeah, I would agree with that for sure because yeah. if the free agent pool is dwindled, how is someone at the bottom supposed to claim, you know, possible would-be superstars to get their team better? Yes. Yeah. And I think if you're going – if we were to consider doing this, which, as I've said, I'm fine with increasing that number, but I want everyone to understand what they're getting into. If we increase that number, I think we need to do it slowly so the the teams at the bottom have a uh, have a chance to keep up. Um, if we expand it right away, you've got a team like my team right now, and I'm all of a sudden going to be able to keep way more players. I've already got insane depth, but you're you're going to allow me to keep some of the guys I pulled out of free agency last year, like Dion Lewis, David Johnson, uh, Doug Baldwin, Thomas Rawls. You're going to allow me to just stash these players. I, I'm, I'm sorry, guys, but it's only going to get more disgusting than what my team is already. So I think I think we need to bring it along slowly if we're going to do it at all. I guess I'm failing to understand why, if, if the goal is expansion, why did we go from 13 to 14 keepers, or 12 to 14, and contract it back to 12 this season? Right. Uh you know, like I said, we started out with the 12 to 14, and it was kind of an experiment to see where the, the sweet spot was in it all. Um, never was this set up to be, you know, this is permanent and this is going to be the way it is for the next, you know, 50 years or whatever. I mean, like, this was set up so we could figure out uh, where we liked it at and either expand on it or cut it down or something, in which we did cut it down to four teams like mine, yours, Lonnie, and Justin. They have to make some tough decisions on who they kept. I, I know one thing that guys like Casper and even Richard said before he took his ball and went home was that, uh, you know, you draft a player like Adrian Peterson or something, and you pretty much you can keep them until he retires. But limiting the number to, like, 12, you've got teams like, you know, like I said, Spineers and Justin, and it forces us to have to make some tough decisions. Even Michael Davis, I was looking at this roster today, and he's going to end up having to cut Jeremy Hill, which I know a lot of people not you know, are not instantly going, oh, my goodness, Jeremy Hill, I'm going to take him as a top five pick. But Jeremy Hill wasn't, I mean, it wasn't like he was a bad running back last year or anything. I mean, like, honestly, I would take Jeremy Hill over any, any running back in this draft whose name is not Ezekiel Elliott. I agree. Um. So, I mean, the, you know, the way we've got it right now, um, I, I definitely obviously want to see the, the 12 uh, uh, keepers roll over, and I want to see how it plays out, and I want to see if some of these teams on the bottom might back up into it. I feel like the way we have it right now, I feel like the teams on bottom, which we saw last year, Joe Wright inherited the worst team, went all the way to the playoffs and knocked me out. I feel like the way we have it right now, that teams on the bottom can – find quality players in free agency, they can build their teams, and they can contend that year that they inherit that team. Um, whereas in the other system like Dwayne's talking about, 
you know, it could take them, these teams a lot longer because you have to plan on getting these players, stashing them, and waiting on them to develop. Right, yeah, I think quite honestly Dwayne is just trying to put on a front so when he ultimately does get to the top, and that might be another 20 years, I'll probably be gray-headed by the time he gets there. Um, his plan is to stay on top once he finally achieves that goal. Well, I mean, I mean, obviously, whoever gets, you know, whenever you're at the top, that's your goal is to want to stay at the top. But um, I don't know exactly that, that expanding the the number of keepers um, and roster spots, I don't know if it actually does anything to help the people on bottom raise up. I, now, I, I think you made a great point with changing uh, the serpentine draft to a standard format. And honestly, the only reason we haven't done that is because it's not an option on ESPN, and we've always done the live, you know, the draft in their program. Um, but I think that would go a long way towards um, helping teams on the bottom. Right. But, I mean, aren't we actually – I mean, we're doing it live this year, so why can't we actually do that? I understand it's set up on ESPN that way. I mean, um, why can we reason, just input the reason, we, the reason we cannot do it this year is because there's already been trades made for draft picks, uh, trades that where they were thinking they were getting the first uh, draft pick in the second round. Well, all of a sudden, we're like, yeah, well, tough luck. Now you're going to have the last pick in the second round. That's why we're not doing it this year. Right. Um, because a guy named Stephen Casper wanted to trade in February, and <laughs> so a lot of trades have already happened before we get into that conversation. I and I, you know, I wish uh, I wish Dwayne could have even uh, contributed to this uh, this topic on the show. Um, he, you know, he has made uh, some some com- or some comments on the Facebook page, and I think he's uh, still going strong at it. Uh, um, yeah, that's great championships in six years. I can't wait for that. Yeah, yeah, I had a good, I had a good laugh at that too. Um, anyway, and this is coming from a guy who won two games last year. I mean, it, it, it'd be a different story if the guy had won, I don't know, four. <laughs> yeah, who does he think he is? The gold standard, talking smack from from that position. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, like, I. Uh, <clears throat> I would, uh, you know, I definitely would entertain, you know, his proposal here, and I think he had a good idea with the switching the serpentine standard, which I think we're moving to next year. But um, I definitely want to examine the expanding on the dynasty keepers and everything, and I want to, if we're going to do that, I think either someone like uh, Alex Poe, I think he either has to step his game up, and by that I don't mean just going to the playoffs. I mean the guy has to be more active. We've got some owners in the league that it's just next to impossible to not only get a hold of them, but to talk trade with them. And if we're going to expand all that, where you have to go through the owners to uh, to, to facilitate a hole in your team, you've got to have 16 guys that you can talk to. Yeah, he's not the only one. I'm not going to mention any names, but I sent and Gary Merrifield's a trade offer, just an inquiry to another. Um, GM last year, and I got a reply about eight weeks later. <laughs> and once I got the reply, I was like, what is he talking about? So I actually had to go back and read the message I sent him. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, well, that's, that's classic uh, dealing in this league. I think for some reason people find it hilarious just not to respond. 
Um, I mean, I've always been the kind of person, if I get a trade offer, even if I don't like it, I mean, I'm either going to counter it with something or, you know, I'm going to tear the trade down in front of you. So like, yeah, the trade is crap. Why would I ever take it? Uh, but I, you know, would be interested in this or something. Uh, Christian's actually the master of trading. Christian, tell us some of your draft tips. I'm sorry, couldn't you? <laughs> I said, Christian, you're the master of trading. You've been pretty busy this offseason. Tell us some of your tips. Some of my picks. Uh, Not well, picks. Give us some of your tips on trading. Oh, my tips on trading. <laughs> consistency, consistency, consistency. Just talking and just keep talking, keep talking, keep talking, keep bugging them until eventually they will do something just to make you happy. Now, That's now my have, way. You had, have you had any encounters while making trades where you, uh, you know, you've sent an offer and you've had trouble getting a deal worked out, like um, not necessarily negotiating, but just in response in general, like trying to get them to answer? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, because, I mean, I'll tell you right now that I've sent out probably a message to just about every single person in this league for a trade at one point or another. And, whether it be, you know, them actually being active and talking about it or on the other end of the spectrum also being just, I mean, it's okay to not be apt to trading, but I mean to be like, um, let's say like heavily overvaluing your players to where you just pretty much hold them up for anything. I mean, and that's okay. That's up to you. But I mean, more often than not, I mean, it definitely does lead to some uh, negative interactions, so to speak. Now, Christian is famous for... Hey, uh, I really like this player on your roster. Uh, would you take this person for him? Uh, probably not. Then a couple of days later, you think about it and you get back with him. You're like, hey, but I will give him up to this person. Yeah, I really don't want him anymore. Okay. It happens sometimes. It does. <laughs> I. I will say that uh, there's, there's some of the owners in this league, I mean, like, even if they do respond, man, it's, there's some of the guys in this league that it's just it's next to impossible to work out a deal with. They either overvalue or they just don't want to trade them. Um, I'm looking at you, Stephen Casper. Um, but uh, that's a topic for another day. We're going to move on uh, to the, uh, the some of the fallout from the NFL draft. Um, wanted to get into wanted to get into that and um, talk about guys who were uh, taken in the draft, uh, whose stock rose um, and whose stock fell because of the draft um, as it pertains to fantasy football. Um, and, uh, you know, guys, I'm going to, I'm going to come right out and say it. I've, I've been, I've been torn in which way to go with my two uh, picks in, the, in our draft because the rookie draft really didn't do anything for me. I think if you don't have the number one pick to take Ezekiel Elliott, I don't even think you should even be considering rookies. Uh, Lonnie, what's your thoughts on the uh, the rookie draft or the, the rookies that came out and how they're going to affect this draft? I can kind of see his point on that as far as maybe taking veterans' first approach. Um, however, I'm not really crazy about any of the veterans that are in the pool right now either. Um, and as far as defense goes, you know, my philosophy, I think that what I have on my roster that are going to be my keepers, I think that's going to carry over into the next season. I mean, there's a couple that, you know, could be iffy. Um 
But you really can tell, especially with defense and free agency pool. Um, I was listening to Sirius the other day, and um, Redskins vice president uh, Bruce Allen was on there, and he was talking how their defense last year, you know, we try to line up these players with what systems and schemes they're in. He said they were in sub-packages 65% of the time, which means they were only in their base D 35% of the time. So with that, it's hard to gauge, you know, these players. Are they going to be three-down players? How often are they going to be on the field? Who do you take? So I'm looking, you know, mainly at offense um, as far as this draft goes and kind of taking a wait-and-see approach with defensive players. Um. Kristen, what's your thoughts on uh, how the rookie class uh, coming into the NFL is going to affect our rookie draft? I know, I know through conversations I've had with you, you're high on a few rookies, and uh, uh, I know that you you've been a guy that that uh, you know is leaning towards drafting rookies. So let's get your thoughts here. Okay, uh, I mean, uh, I'm going to go and say I will agree on with you on the aspect that here's how it goes in the tier here. You have Ezekiel Elliott. Number one, that's going to be obvious now. He's on. He's behind that huge Dallas offensive line. That's he's in a whole another level of his own now compared to any other rookie in this draft, bar none. Okay, from there, it really just it it's kind of really just a pick and choose. I mean, it's honestly you're you're kind of hoping and you know uh, hoping that you're actually going to get the right pick for what you're looking for. I mean. From there, whether it be Laquan Treadwell going with you know Minnesota, hoping that you know they lean a little bit less off of Adrian Peterson, more on Teddy Bridgewater actually throwing, which I doubt is going to happen, or going with let's say Derrick Henry, you know, saying that he's going to either take over the spot for the end of the year or as of next year over to Michael Murray, he will be good. I mean, he a lot of people are you know comparing him quote unquote Teddy George. I think it's obviously way too early for that. But, I mean, he is someone that does have proven success. Um, and with the way we're actually building our offensive line, I mean, it is helping. But Now, you said he's compared to Eddie George. I would compare him to Lindell White. but He's got to um, be better than Lindell White. That guy was horrible. <laughs> well, that was, the guy was so fat he couldn't even move the pile two yards. Listen, a lot of guys from Alabama, they – they come out looking good, but then all of a sudden it's like, whoa, wait a minute. Um, Lindell White was like fat Eddie Lacy. <laughs> Lindell White was out of USC, by the way. That's uh, that's Bronson's voice. Well, hey, he was he was he was just a backup over there behind a guy named Reggie Bush, who did all right in the NFL. Um, but anyways, I know that uh, we all know that Ezekiel Elliott is going number one. Uh, number two. Um, you know, Dwayne also has that pick, and Dwayne's saying he's taking Laquan Treadwell. I've been very vocal about Laquan Treadwell that, you know, he's going to a team in Minnesota um, that plays a tough NFC North, and uh, uh, there's only so many touchdowns that Teddy Bridgewater is going to throw, you know? Uh, Lonnie, am I wrong in my assessment about uh, Treadwell and Bridgewater here? I mean, I, you are not. In the world. You are yeah. not because if someone tells me Teddy Bridgewater is the answer, my response is, what's the question? <laughs> I've, seen, I've seen enough of him. You know, he's probably the fourth best quarterback in that division, and I don't see that changing. Yeah, I, I mean, he's got to face. Uh, I mean, he's going to have to face what the. Uh, he's going to have to face 
he's going to have to face the, the Packers over there. He's going to have to face the Bears. He's going to have to face, um, I'm losing my mind right now, Packers, Bears, Lions. Okay. The uh, team that's been rebuilding since 1957, uh, Dick Laws' boys. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Um, I... I I don't like Teddy Bridgewater. Um, I don't. I didn't like him when he came out of the draft. Um, I was. I was happy that Oakland passed on him and went and got Carr. And you look at. Uh, you look at what the guy did last year. He was towards the bottom of the quarterbacks in the NFL. Um, it wasn't for a lack of talent or anything. I mean, you had Adrian Peterson taking all the pressure off of him. I mean, Peterson ran for what, like fifteen hundred yards or something like that. So, I I don't see how uh, I don't see how Treadwell's going to affect the situation and how he's uh, how Bridgewater is suddenly going to produce more numbers just because they got Treadwell in there. Yeah, I mean, I if you look at the Vikings, you know, the last couple of years, they put eight guys in the box, you know, nearly every down, you know, mm-hmm. because of Adrian Peterson. So they don't sure. respect the receiving core at all. Sure. And they don't respect the quarterback at all, you know, more to the point. So, I, yeah, yeah, I don't see how Eddie Treadwell is going to change that much. Uh, Christian, what were you seeing in Treadwell? Because I know that if you could, you would select Treadwell. I mean, I still would, honestly. And it's more due to the <laughs> fact that his ceiling is actually really, really high there. I mean, he's gotten a lot of really good compliments of things related. Like, uh, things Christian, we to. just told you how his ceiling is not high there. How are you saying his ceiling is high there? You got to have a quarterback for his ceiling to be high. When you're DeAndre Gold Standard Hopkins, it doesn't matter who the quarterback is. You're <laughs> going to be you're going to be Jerry Rice 2.0. <laughs> and then that also kind of brings me to a point too that I mean, in not all situations do you need a really good quarterback to have really good wide receiver stats. Q Josh Gordon, I mean. Again, you know, DeAndre Hopkins, you know, even with that being stated, you can still have good stats because with and him and Stephon Diggs, I'm sorry, but he's better than Stephon Diggs. And I wouldn't put Treadwell in the same breath as guys like DeAndre Hopkins or, uh, you know, Josh Gordon when he wasn't on drugs and when he was still in the NFL. wouldn't even put him in the same breath as those guys. Now, uh you know, maybe I'm forced to eat my words and Dwayne looks like a genius and I would really hate that, but I don't see that happening. Um, at the third pick, which is Christian's pick, um, if the scenario plays out with Elliot Treadwell, Christian, you're planning on taking, and this is as long as you still have the draft pick, of course, uh, you're planning on taking a wide receiver, correct? Right. And you you'd said, what, Doxson? Josh Doxson, mm-hmm. And see, once again, I come back to this point where I'm looking at the receivers and I'm looking and I see Deshaun Jackson over there in the Redskins. And while Kirk Cousins throws more touchdowns and spreads the ball around more, I'm using a first-round draft pick. I'm, not, I'm certainly not wanting to take a receiver that's playing second to, you know, he's not the number one guy. But Deshaun Jackson, in my eyes, is not really a true number one wide receiver. He's a burner. That's all he is. He stretches the field. He's not made to be a, a number one wide receiver. Dogston's more refined. He's, you know, an actual route runner compared to that. He's someone that actually could, you know, carry the team, move the chains. While you have Deshaun Jackson, who, again, don't get me wrong, he's really good, but he's not a number one wide receiver, in my eyes, anyway. 
You also have uh, Jamison Crowder, who started started to develop some pretty good chemistry with his cousins later in the season last year. I'm not sure how that will affect um, Doxon uh, or vice versa, but you know it could be a situation where Cousins does like to spread the ball around. Plus, he's got a tight end, but of course, he only plays two quarters and then he gets hurt, so that may not be much of an effect. One of the guys I was that one of the guys, and I, I, I've been pretty vocal about this guy is Corey Coleman, and I thought Corey Coleman, I didn't, I didn't think his he went to the Browns, and I don't think that it wasn't an ideal situation, let's be honest, because it's the Browns. But at the same time, there isn't the number one receiver there for the Browns. And and while he's got either RG3 or uh, Kessler, you know, going to be throwing him the ball, you know, I, I, think, I think Corey Coleman, honestly, out of all those receivers, probably has the best situation. Yeah, that's a good possibility. Uh, he could certainly uh, replace Travis Benjamin's production, perhaps, from last season, who put up some really good fantasy numbers. Especially especially if the guy is going to be uh, replacing Travis Benjamin in the kick and punt return part. Um, yeah, I, to me, Corey Coleman is probably in the best situation out of all those guys. Well, here's uh, the thing I see with Corey Coleman, though. I mean, Corey Coleman has... Yes, I think the best situation short-term, but I don't think he has the best situation long-term. Why? He's going to the Browns. That's a good point. It's hard to argue with that logic. (laughs) Guys, let's let's talk about some of of the guys that came out in the draft, whether it's defense, offense. Talk about some of the guys you thought their their stock was hurt by going to the team they did, and some of the guys you thought their stock was raised by going to the teams they did. Uh, Lonnie, we'll start with you. Who, who's uh, some of the guys that's on your radar? Um, as far as uh, guys whose stock, I think, improved? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, you know, of course, I pick, what do I pick, 11th, 12th, something like that. So a lot of these top-tier guys are going to be long gone before I get there. Um, so I'll look towards the bottom here. Um, you know, a lot of people would think, okay, Lonnie's going to take the Notre Dame kid if he's sitting there. And I'm just not crazy about Will Fuller in Houston on the other side of DeAndre. I think he's going to open up the field more for DeAndre. Uh, but he's also going to compete with Jalen Strong, who they seem to like really well. So I don't know if I'm going to take a look at Fuller or not. Um, another one who is kind of intriguing since they lost both Muhammad Sanu and Marvin Jones, is Tyler Boyd, Cincinnati. But again, I think Dalton is looking for A.J. Green and Tyler Eifert, one and two, and then they usually get a lot of passing yard production out of the running backs. Um, Sterling Shepard, wide receiver, New York Giants. He could really go either way. He's a guy I've been interested in, I, and to me, it kind of all depends on where Victor Cruz is at in this season. Yeah, Victor Cruz, nah, he's. I'm not going to expect him to step foot on the field. He's always going to have calf issues. Uh, Christian, did I did I cue you in? I said he's Nothing. always going to have he's always going to have calf issues all the time, Cruz. I, I'll never trust him again. Okay, uh, Christian, do you have? 
Victor Cruz? Did he pee in your Cheerios or something? I feel like I had them all last year. I think you, yeah. See, that makes sense. It feels like you've got some pent up anger issues at Victor. Hey, Cruz. I tried to trade him for him, so you know. <laughs> it, it, Probably a good thing he wouldn't do that trade. There's nothing worse than trying to do a trade with someone and then you know the you 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 deny it and you're like, no, I, I'm not going to do this trade. And then you're, you're all feeling good about that guy, and then he's just gone. <laughs> that happened to me at Beltram one year. Beltram offered me Julian Edelman for this uh, uh, 49ers guy that I signed out of free agency, and I watched him during a preseason game. I was like, man, this guy is a playmaker. And stupid me didn't take the trade for Edelman, and Edelman comes out in, like the first six games and is like blowing it up, the number one receiver in fantasy, and I'm like, I'm such an idiot. <laughs> Uh, that's the that's the biggest trade blunder I've ever had this week. Who has Edelman now? Uh, I believe uh, Riverboat Lawn does. Riverboat Lawn, I kind of like that. <laughs> Although I'm uh, not rooting for Carolina, so. <laughs> uh, Kristen, uh, let's uh, let's hear some of the guys you're high on. Uh, hmm. See. The picks that I got is at number three, and number eight right now. Um, hey, I, I, as for, I, I don't want to. I don't care about the guys you're going to take. I care about the guys you're interested in. I'm interested in. Okay. Yes. Uh, I'm going to go outside with the regular ones. I want to go say uh, first off, Reggie Raglan over in the Bills. Uh, I think he's actually going to go ahead and assume the actual middle linebacker position from day one there. So he should actually be an every down back. He's actually probably going to get quite a few numbers as an actual linebacker there. Probably be a top 15 this season, so just to watch there. Uh, that's someone that's been on my radar because linebackers in this league, they I find them to be one of the most underrated positions because they really do score a bunch of points. If you get a top 10 linebacker, they make 350 points plus. I don't know if I would say underrated. I Linebackers, to me, are worth just as much or more than wide receivers are. Agreed. I mean, they are. I mean, for a really, really good linebacker, that's really worth a lot. So he's been uh, on my radar. Um, let's see. Now, are, you're, are you worried about his injury issues that he came into the draft with? Uh, I mean, a, an enlarged, uh, what was it? <laughs> an aorta or whatever. Yeah, yeah. an aorta? Right. I don't even uh, know what an aorta is. Well, <laughs> Uh, perhaps we should uh, look into that. We'll get the uh, uh, the DC FFL uh, CSI on that, and uh, we'll find out what an aorta is. <laughs> Isn't that your heart? <laughs> um, DC, I didn't, I didn't. It's part, it's part, it's part of the heart chamber or something. I don't know. It's been like six or seven years since I took anatomy, and I only got a C in it. So I'm not the guy to ask. I will uh, I'm, I will post this question on the uh, the Facebook page. Maybe we can get an answer by the time Kristen's done with his picks. Continue on, Kristen. <laughs> sure, right. we have a medical uh, major in our fantasy football league. The uh, I thought about Miles Jack about uh, actually, or I'm going to be honest, any defensive player that went to Jacksonville, I really thought about you know thinking about if any of them were really going to be good to pick up. But here's my thing. We already have a bunch of really big tackle leaders there with Paul Pelusny. you got uh, Tilvin Smith, I think, who's already there. Both of them already leading tackles. So now you have with the mix, you got Jalen Ramsey, and you got Miles Jack. 
it's really going to hurt the stock, I think, of everyone there because now all of them are sharing tackles. So I thought about it, and I was like, mm, but I, from a defensive perspective for a team, it went to a really good spot for them. But for an actual fantasy perspective, an IDP, no, not so, or not in my eyes anyway. Uh, but it won't uh, it won't hurt Puzzle, doesn't it? Now, who has Kelvin Smith? Is that Stephen Casper uh, player? Yeah, the fact that it, it, it'll definitely hurt Kelvin Smith, definitely. Yeah. But, See, uh, this is this is something that uh, I've discussed with uh, Justin Cook. Is uh, you know Jacksonville has loaded their team up with all of these defensive players. You got Prince of Mockumara, who's a tackle machine. They brought in Jalen Ramsey. Um, You've got Miles Jack, you've got Telvin Smith, you've got Paul Pesluzny. They took that defensive lineman from Denver. And there's only so many tackles that can even take place on defense. And you've got all these all these guys over there. To me, I, you know, if I'm sitting there with one of these Jacksonville linebackers, and I know, uh, you know, of course, Lonnie has Pesluzny. I tried getting Pesluzny strictly for his name value to trade him. Um but if I'm somebody that's got a Jacksonville linebacker, personally, I would be trying to trade him just because of how they've loaded down their defense. Well, Pavlosny is entrenched. Um, Telvin Smith would probably be the guy behind him. Um, these rookies, I don't see, you know, if they've got a veteran in front of them, I don't see the rookies getting share of the snaps. I think it's going to be more for depth, and, of course, they're going to have a rookie learning curve. So, yeah, they'll probably see the field more in year two than they will in year one, so I don't think it's going to hurt the veterans who are entrenched much at all. And I, <laughs> I've got the uh, question posed on Facebook page, waiting, uh, waiting an answer. They should keep us waiting for this show. They should have some respect. I thought uh, I thought old Dick Laws was going to join us in chat. He uh, he was with us last week, giving us his uh, draft predictions, which is uh, pretty funny because he's pretty much ripping off Mike Mayon. Um, <laughs> we gave him a hard time over that. So it was, it was a pretty good episode last week. Um, I've already went over through through a few of the guys that's uh, uh, not necessarily who I'm interested in. The guys. That have, uh, I guess, the most popular names that are popping up in this draft. Uh, for me, guys who's who I'm interested in, uh, Kenyon Drake. There's a guy I'm interested in because, of course, I have uh, um, JJ. Um, I'm interested in him uh, strictly because I've got JJ. Um, you know, he he pretty much was a backup his whole college career. Um, I don't know if if uh, Miami's brought him in to pretty much do the same thing for Jay, or if they're going to give this kid a legit shot to take the starting job. And if he does, if they do give him that shot, I certainly don't know if he's going to take it because from the coaching staff last year, they all thought Jay Jay was a better running back than Lamar Miller, who was a top five running back in fantasy. So that's definitely a situation I'm interested in playing, uh, seeing played out. Um, and Wide receivers, I'm. Um, I wide receivers has been the biggest spot where I've just, <laughs> I've just thrown my hands up in the air with this wide receiver class. There's no one that's really stood out where I've been like, man. Like last season where we had Kevin White, we had Amari Cooper. I mean, there was a lot of talent in it last year that I liked. 
But this year, it's just <laughs> it's. I wouldn't draft any of these wide receivers. Uh, defense, I'm right there with you, Kristen. I think uh, uh, Reggie Ragland, I'm interested in. Uh, Miles Jack, not so much. Um, and defensive line, which is an overlooked position because if you can get a top-tier defensive lineman, it gives you a pretty big advantage against most of the teams you play. Um, Joey Bosa was a guy I was interested in and honestly was planning on taking Bosa and Jack or Raglan with uh, 5 and 10. I was planning on going hardcore defense. I've been selling everyone for weeks on how horrible of an idea it was to take defense. (laughs) And and I was going to take a mixture of those three players. I was even trying to get a third first-round draft pick so I could take all three. And then uh, the of course, Miles Jack's medical problems comes out, and Reggie Racklin with his enlarged aorta, which we still don't know what it is. And uh, and then, of course, the biggest heartbreak of the whole draft, Joey Bosa goes to the Chargers, where I think his where I think his fantasy uh, stock drops, just because he's not going to be playing with his hand in the dirt, and he's going to be considered a linebacker and his numbers are going to have to go up against linebackers' numbers. So I think you're going to see uh, a player fantasy-wise that's a lot like Vaughn Miller, who's not worth having in our league. Exactly. Uh, Lonnie, what's your thoughts on Bosa? Well, I mean, that's kind of the thing I was talking about earlier in the show. I mean, he doesn't fit their base D, but if they get him any sub-packages out there on the field in the majority of the time, he may actually have his hand in the dirt some, so who knows. And and once again, if he can get his uh, hand in the dirt and we he can at least get a defensive end tag, kind of like Khalil Mack has, um, all of a sudden I'd be a lot more interested in drafting this guy. Um we we want I wanna I wanna touch on some uh some of the guys that you guys are really down on because of the draft. Uh, like I've already said, uh, Bose was a guy I'm, I was high on, and now I'm down on because of this draft. Um, Christian, I'll stick it over to you. Um, here's some guys that you're really down on because of the draft. Okay. Um, I I would kind of say it's a surprise, but not really, but I'm going to say Thomas Rawls. They drafted two running backs in Seattle, two of them, C.J. Prosize being one of them included and a lot of people are actually speculating him to take the reins from Rawls at the near the mid end season if he performs to the standard that they're expecting. And I'm, I'm glad That's you brought that thing. up. I'm glad you brought that up because everyone thought I was crazy when I traded Thomas Rawls, and this was something I was kind of worried about. Of course, I was kind of worried that they would go and get Derek Henry, and uh, and so this was one of the reasons I traded Rawls off while he had value. And uh, and went got a guy that's more consistent than Davis Murray, but uh, I'm I'm glad you brought that up. Good point. All right, because that that was one that I definitely seen and I thought was a little strange there. Uh, for some other people that's lost some of their value, uh, I mean it really didn't affect too many people from what I've seen. I mean. I, there there well, really, really, really wasn't much, and I, I'm really struggling to think of anything else other than well, I, you, know, I, you got I, butt fumble, you know, butt fumble lost some value. But I mean, who cares about those people? Those are you know sucky little players. Other well, than that, that, any I will jump back in here then because um, we got Lonnie here on the line, 
And obviously, I think Darren McFadden lost some value because of uh, Ezekiel Elliott. Of course, Lonnie has oh, yeah, uh, run DMC. So Lonnie, I want to I want to hear from you how you think the running back situation is going to play out there in Dallas, and do you think uh, DMC has lost that much value? How much do you think he retains, and what do you think he's worth right now? If you're trading him, what do you think he's worth? <laughs> Not enough for me to trade him right now, probably. So I'll probably just hold on to him and uh, see what happens. Because, you know, I don't know if Elliot. I don't think Elliot was ever really injured in college. I didn't really follow Ohio State much, though. Um, but, you know, things happen. If Elliot goes down the first few weeks, Glass Trash is the man again. Uh, they have Alfred Morris, but I, I think gonna he's going to be now, more of a. Yeah. I was say, do you think he's still the guy, or do you think it's going to be split up more between him and Morris? Uh, well, the last part I couldn't quite hear. I said, do you think uh, that Run DMC will be the guy if if uh, Mur- uh, not Murray if Elliot goes down, or do you think it's going to be split up more between him and Alfred Morris? I still think if Elliott goes down, I think McFadden is your starting back. I think Morris is more of the third down goal line situation um, because McFadden can once he gets to the second level, he's got you know he's got the speed, and I think that plays into Dallas's offense a little bit better. Um, you know, so I think Zeke is on the field first down uh, and probably second down in most situations. McFadden's going to be your change of pace back they bring in. But, again, if he if he breaks coverage and he goes to the house, he can vulture some touchdowns. So I think that as much as Zeke Elliott hurts McFadden's value, I think McFadden hurts Zeke Elliott's value. And while we're on the, while we're on the topic of uh, Dallas and Ezekiel Elliott and the running back situation there, I, I want to touch on one of the big trades that went down this week between Stephen Casper and uh, Dwayne Cook, where uh, Dwayne Cook moved Todd Gurley, um, one of the most explosive rookie running backs we've seen in the last, I don't know how many years it's been since Adrian Peterson came out, and moved him for Ezekiel Elliott, who's in an insanely crowded Dallas backfield. And uh, uh, just the trade in general, there was some other crap that was thrown in that doesn't really matter, like D'Angelo Williams and draft picks and Sean Lee. But I wanna I wanna hear from each of you who you who you think won in the deal and who you think lost. Uh uh Lonnie will kick it off with you. Um who do you think won in the Casper and Dwayne trade? I actually uh told Casper that was a good trade. Um it was better than another offer that he had gotten earlier. Uh, I won't comment on that. But um yeah, I think as long as Gurley stays healthy and, you know, so far we don't have any reason to believe he won't. Um, he's still young. He's 23 years old. Um, you know, he got hurt a little bit last year, but nothing significant. I think that um, Gurley is still going to be um, the top fantasy running back this season. I, You know, that I was talking to Justin earlier today, and I told him that I think – I think absolutely Todd Gurley has a chance of being the number one guy this year. Um, in which case, Casper gave up Sean Lee, and uh, I think I'm looking at two first round draft picks. Yeah, uh, I think he kept. I think he retained uh, his number four overall pick, uh, so he could go get Corey Coleman. Um, but he traded off his number one overall. Traded off. Um, I think he had number 
seven, if my memory serves me correct. One seven and uh Sean Willie and D and D Willie. And he got Ted He basically Jr. gave up nothing. Yeah, he got Ted Ginn Jr. and um who really cares about Ted Ginn Jr. he'll probably cut him if I had to guess. Um and of course Dwayne gets Zeke Elliott. Uh Christian, who do you think wins and who do you think lost in the trade? I mean, I'm gonna put it to you this way. This is established production versus an unknown. Uh, I'm going to talk early. That's what I said out of it. I I have been giving Casper crap um, because it's fun to give Casper crap. And Casper was unsure about the deal. He even messaged me afterwards and said, "Tell me I did a good job," because because I'm feeling really uh, I'm feeling really uh, bad about the trade. And so of course I had to go into it, and I was like, "Well." You did tell me that you thought you had the the number one linebacking core in the in the league. I said, well, you traded off Sean Lee, so you can't say that anymore. <laughs> so I've been giving him uh, crap over his trade, but I think, in all honesty, I think Casper won in the deal because he did get a guy that is already established. We already know what we're getting out of Todd Gurley. Um, as long yeah. as the Casper curse does not hit Todd Gurley, which is a <laughs> ask RG three, there's a big possibility of that happening. Especially, he's got a history of weak knees. Uh, as long as the Casper curse doesn't hit him, I think Casper won in the deal, uh, giving up Sean Lee and those draft picks. Who cares? Uh, Dwayne will get some guys like Duke Johnson that no one cares about. That's never going to do anything, anyways. And uh, yeah, it's, I don't think there's going to be any big power shift there. I still think there's a solid chance Dwayne loses all six of his divisional games this year. And uh, I think Casper I got stronger. I think Casper is in a position where he can make some noise in the quarter inch short division. What's he gonna do with Ben Roethlisberger? That's the next question. <laughs> uh, we were we uh are we on Christian what he's gonna do with uh, Big Ben? Christian, what are you doing with Big Ben? No, I'm referring to Casper, doesn't isn't Casper No, no, I, I I believe Christian has Big Ben, correct? Okay, okay. I do no. have Big Ben. I, I, hey, it's it's something I've been wondering. I'm sitting there with uh, Carson Palmer now and Big Ben, and uh, I I was I was uh, talking to Brandon or Michael Davis the other day, and we were discussing uh, teams that might possibly keep two quarterbacks. And I said I personally can't understand it why anyone would waste a draft pick on a second quarterback because uh, to me they're only valuable valuable for one game. Person, care to weigh I mean, in? And they are only valuable for one game if you look at it from a playing standpoint. But I mean, let's look at it this way. And last year was, you know, definitely enough proof for it. People are going to get injured. People are definitely going to go down. Let's say Wait, you got torn. Let's okay. Let's say you know Blake Bortles. You know, let's say Blake Bortles gets hurt halfway through. I'm just choosing a name. And you have you know two top top five quarterbacks like some people in this league do, and guess what? You know, they want one of those top five quarterbacks because they still need to stay at the level they're at. They're probably going to be willing to pay a little bit for it compared. Now, again, in this aspect, too, let's say if you do have two top five quarterbacks or two top ten and someone gets hurt, you're not losing your production. You're still, you know, hanging with it. You still have the production you need out of uh, a high-end value that scores a lot on a, a good basis anyway. And And I agree with you. You're you're completely right. In certain scenarios, 
in this league during the season, there will be guys that will be willing to pay for quarterbacks. But why use a keeper on them when all you've got to do is cut them and during the draft, you wait until a quarterback comes to you and draft him. We've got Goff and Wentz coming out, who I'm going to be honest with you, I would rather draft Goff and Wentz than trade for a quarterback um, or use a keeper on one. I so, understand that. I, yeah, I'm cutting my second quarterback. I'll let him go in there because I have all the faith in the world that I can replace him if I'm not able to redraft him. If you look at last year, you know, um, guys like Brian Hoyer are pretty much set on the waiver wire. I mean, they bounced around. Somebody would claim him, use him for a week, cut him. You know, they were pretty much, he was pretty much always there. You know, and he would get 20 points a, a game just about. I mean, he had some off games, but it's like, okay, if Brady Rogers and the top dogs are getting you 28 and this guy can get you 20, you know, yeah, there's really nothing to worry about if you have have a bye week and any quarterback just goes, you know, snatch one of those guys on the waiver wire. Absolutely. That's what I did last year. I ran Hoyer during my quarterback bye week. I think actually all three of us here in this chat did. <laughs> hey, that was the uh, – that I think I think that's just what you had to do if you played in the hashtag Lonnie Hines division. You just had to go and get Hoyer. <laughs> All right, so I, I wanted to I wanted to discuss a little bit about uh, the divisions that uh, uh, Lonnie this year is in a new division since our uh, our classic rivalry had ended. Um, Lonnie, yeah, right. <laughs> Lonnie, come on now, let's be civil about this. I won the rivalry. We're moving on. You know, you're just afraid to put me back in your division because it was such a close call last year. You were like, no more of that. If by close call you mean I won the last eight games against you. You beat me by four points in the last game you claimed counted, even though I stomped you in the actual last game. Um, You beat me by four (laughs) points. It was my decision to put the Washington safety in over the Washington quarterback. And Tony Romo was not playing in that game against Dallas, so uh, the problem was Matt Castle could not get the ball to where the safety was even at. So I lost by four points. Lonnie, 150 to 305. That was the score week two when you played me with your strongest lineup yet, 150 to 305. You didn't even crack 200 points. I don't even have that same team now. How could that be the strongest lineup yet? That was a team that still had Andrew Luck and Eddie Lacy on it. (laughs) Because like a fool, you traded your best players. And no, you had Tom Brady. In week two, I had Tom Brady? Your lineup, I'm looking at it right now. Your lineup for week two, and you know what? <laughs> Here I was, ready to ready to get in all this trash talk, and I just clicked on your team. All right, now I'm interested. We'll we'll look at your lineup. You had <laughs> you had Andrew Luck, seventy yeah, point four yeah. points. You had Eddie Lacy, who put up a whopping zero. Who I both was, of I, their worst seasons on. ever. <laughs> I would bet money on the fact that after this game, you went and traded Eddie Lacy. <laughs> um, DeAndre Hawkins, who put up 12.1 points for you. You had Jordan Matthews, who I think was your highest player that week, who put up 24.9. Who? 
<laughs> Jordan Matthews, baby. I'm not even sure who that is. Uh, he's the wide receiver over in Philly. Yeah, I never uh, heard of her. Well, uh, Christian has. I think Christian still has him, correct, Christian? Nope, I traded him. Oh, okay. All right. Well, anyways, uh, Tyler Eifert and Carlos Hyde was your starting offense. Sounds like Jordan right. Matthews has been around more than the Pizza Hut whore. Like I said, your best lineup, and you couldn't even track 200 on her. My best lineup was the one you faced in week 13. Um, and I beat you by 20 points in that game. Four points. Four points. Oh, yes. My bad. Are we on, are we on the schedule against each other this year? Um, no, we are not. Oh, how convenient. Gee, you I know, wonder what, and, uh, what led to that. And, and here's, here's why we're not, because I can only play three out-of-conference games. And I have people lining up, knocking on my door, as you saw That's, in that video where Justin attacked me. I have people lining up to face me. And if I don't face them, I get people like Brad Beltram whining all year that I'm dodging them. And that is exactly why you worked behind the scenes and made it so to where I would move to the opposing conference. And you can use this excuse. All you got to do, if you want to rematch against the real champ, all you got to do is win your division. I will. Playoff. I will. Win your conference championship and meet me in the championship for what will be the greatest championship game of all time. I will be in the championship. I'm just not sure you're going to be able to make that far, especially if you face oh, Joe Wright again. Oh, please. Joe Wright is a one-hit wonder. Everyone knows that. He may be your kryptonite, though. You know, how kind of like how the Baltimore Ravens are to the New England Patriots. Please, I'm going to carve Joe up this year. Uh, Christian, uh, we're going to pause on me and Lonnie's uh, trash talking here, and we're going to turn the attention to you. Who uh, in your in your years since being here? I think uh, your debut year. I think you won one game. I think last year you turned it up to eleven and won six games. But this year you're heading into what? This is your third season, correct? This is my third. Okay, you're heading into your third season, third year in the hashtag Second Lonnie Hines division. Um, where do you see yourself finishing this year in the second Lonnie Hines division? At least second. At least second. Do you have a plan to actually take me off the throne in that division? I'm going to say this. Only one person in the seven years of this league has been able, been able to do that, and he's on the call <laughs> right now. I'm surprised you admitted well, that. Sabotage. And like and like the fool that he was, he turned around and drafted me number one, and he never saw the top spot again. Because that's the difference between you and I. I don't shy away from tough competitions. Bloody, I didn't shy away from it. I gave you three years to give me a fight. You not only kicked me out of the division, but you sent me to the other conference. <laughs> uh, Lonnie, look, I... I I thought that would be easier competition for you. I mean, look, you're facing Beltram. Come on, man. Facing Beltram, you're facing Yeah, I beat him twice last year, I think. Beat him once or twice, too. You're facing Brandon, and you're facing Poe. I mean, come on, man. You should be able to take the Schmee's tantrum division. I'll go undefeated in that division, no doubt. See? 
And like I said, now we can have a more classic game where our feud belonged in the championship game. I wasn't doing this because I was afraid. I was doing this as a favor to you, Lonnie. We shall see if you can make it. Now, Christian, Phoenix Freeboard, your plan for the season. What you have, Of course, you have to be playing this season with the goal in mind that you're going to knock the king off of the mountain. What's your plan for knocking me off? Just being ready at all times. Being ready at all times. Listen, actually, Lonnie, maybe you can give him some hints or some tips. You're the only guy that's ever actually done it. Basically, um, you need a lot of Barks root beer. Um, You need to drink Barks root beer heavily, and it puts you in a state of mind that you can, you know, you have lined up Nirvana, and that's basically how you do it. Barks root beer. (laughs) Barks root beer. That's the secret. Well, I mean, we certainly had enough of uh, Barks root beer back in the day um, when we were... uh, you know, winning our Jackie Stan movies and uh, uh, having our our wrestling bonds down in the uh, the basement over there at the Pines Manor. Um, I, how many how many Barks Root beers would you say we went through, Lonnie? Oh, I'd say we would easily clear uh, three or four cases a night. <laughs> People just don't understand the magic of Barks Root beer. I'm uh. I'm posting on the uh, the Facebook page right now, Gold Standard's tips to knocking Bronson McNellis out of number one in his division. Bark Beer. And it's, yeah, it's Bark Beer. If you're, if you're ever in Kentucky and you can get your get your hands on some uh, Bark's Red Cream Soda, you know, because you can't find it in Tennessee. But Kentucky is the place. You know, stock up on that. That'll help even more. And there we go. I've now posted Lonnie's tips to beating me in my division, uh, Bart's group here. Now, Lonnie, if you win, if you win the division, if you win the Shemise tantrum, um, what, I want to I know what your plans are the second chance you get to be a division champion. How are you going to draft your division? First pick will be none other than Bronson McNellis. And that is, of course, if I'm able to be picked. Yeah, assuming you will be available. But uh, I may have to do some working behind the scenes myself to uh, manipulate the divisional structure. Um. Now, of course, a draft strategy that I always use is I drafted my arch rival, which this year someone earned my respect more, or I should say my hatred more than gold standard, and that was one Joe Wright. So I always take my arch rival, and then I line it up with a bunch of goofballs like Christian. Um, Christian, don't, don't beat me down with this uh, smack pot back at me or anything. What? You're not you're not with us anymore. I'm listening. I can barely hear you. I can barely hear you talking your snack. Um anyways, I, I like to I like to I I go after fantasy owners like Matt Edwards who make questionable moves. So I'm sitting there and I'm like, You traded the MVP running back 
and all you got out of it was Doug Martin. Then you turned around and cut Doug Martin. I said to myself, hmm, yep, next season you're coming into my division. Then, of course, there's my classic favorite, Kristen Three, who had a chance to get Ezekiel Elliott and traded off his number one pick that he worked so hard for for the two-headed poop dragon, Eddie Lacy. P90X, Eddie Lacy. P90X, Eddie Lacy this year, yeah. And we'll see how that works out. Uh, Kristen, my uh, my prediction for you is I honestly think you do win second in the division. <laughs> I think it's going to be a tough second. I think it, I think second in our division will look something around the lines of uh, six wins. I think I think last year, if I'm not mistaken, you had six wins in the division. So I'm going to say you'll get seven this year. So your division kind of sounds like the way the AFC South has been for the past ten years, where it's Indianapolis and a bunch of college football teams, right? Right, right. And honestly, the whole conference over there on on our side, kind of like that. You've got Matt Human, and then you've got Davis. Who I, think, I think Davis will actually be pretty competitive this year. Um, I don't know why he only got four wins last year, but I think Davis is pretty competitive. And then you've got uh, Salmon, so he's a wild card, and uh, and then they got Barclay. I Barclay. You know, he's about to get uh, he's about to get slapped or chopped by Rick Flair at the end of the season. So um, it, it's the division or the competitive level is all of the same in that conference. And then you look at the other conference, and the competition level is a lot more. Um, it's a lot higher. <clears throat> Would you agree with that, Lonnie? Yeah, I'm distracted right now by some background noise. I'm not sure somebody's got a TV or radio on. Or it's Christian. He always has. He always has these strange people that come on the phone with him. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I have one thing to add, and it's just something because I see it's uh, hitting a little bit later on. We're getting a little closer to then, but uh, something to bring just up. Now, for people, uh, you're mentioning that we're not really as active in the week. What would be the basis for people to actually be quote unquote voted out of the league? What would be a basis for that? Like, and you know what? That is an excellent question, and it's something I've been asking myself, and I think it's something that uh, should even be brought up for a league vote. Um, and something I've been thinking about is like uh, losing seasons. Like, I think we should encourage winning so much that if you have like let's say three losing seasons in a record, that you're gone. Um, I think Are you guys familiar? Go ahead, sorry. I think obviously, um, you know, there's going to be losing losing teams each year, but I think you want to encourage those losing teams. Like, hey, you have to turn it around. You have to be able to come into this league, and you have to be able to uh, eventually turn this team around. I don't want to bring in these fantasy owners that are supposedly good at playing fantasy football, and then get in here and they just sit in one spot. You know. And uh, right. I, I, that's that's something I've been kicking around. I think uh, I think we should put a requirement on wins. 
Are you guys are familiar with uh, European soccer relegation style to where you basically you have the major league, which in British soccer is the Premier League, and then the bottom three teams each year get kicked out to the league underneath, and then the top two teams from that league come up. So it's like if you have sort of a waiting system of people who are dying to get into our league, you know, you could uh, relegate the worst team or the two worst teams or whatnot and bring two more in and then keep doing that. And so people, new teams would come in each year and try to give it their best effort. And and part of, part of me, I, I've actually thought about having another league for the teams waiting to get in, so that way they're used to how we play fantasy football. Um, I, I have thought about that, um, but I haven't, I haven't really, you know, I haven't really thought it was a good enough idea to vote on or act on, I'll say. Um, I, to, to me personally, I think the best idea is the, the wins. I think we need to put some kind of restriction on teams coming in and having to, uh, you know, prove that they're as good at fantasy football as they say. You know, you take someone like uh, Dwayne, and, uh, you know, Dwayne says he's got 23 years of experience playing fantasy football. Well, that's great. You should uh, be able to turn the team around in no time at all with that kind well, of He's going to win three championships in six years. So. See? Um, and so, I mean, like, let's say we had put this um, rule in action. Well, this is Christian's third year. Christian came in the first year. I don't know what you were doing the first year, Christian, when you put up one win. And then uh, last year, he almost he almost had it. He almost had a winning season last year. I think uh, to me, a winning season is either making playoffs or being above 500. And uh, so this year, you know, Christian would be um, on the cooker, so to speak, to have that winning season. Right. And I, you know, I don't know if we just put it at three or we put it at four or whatever, but. I think three was a pretty good number. I think in three years with three drafts, I think just about anyone in our current format should be able to come in and and make a winning season. I know that I know I could come into this division or this uh, this league and take over any one of the sixteen teams and have them in a playoff position in three years easily. Uh, Lonnie. Am, am I alone in this? Do you think you could come in and take over a different team? Let's say, uh, uh, let's say Matt Edwards' team, um, because to me he's probably got the the worst uh, lineup. Uh, though after getting Kiko Alonso, he may you know maybe getting closer to some of the other teams. But let's say, do you think you could come into the league, take over Matt Edwards' team, and take them to the playoffs in three years? Well, I'll give you my own team as an example. When we did the redraft, what was it, two, three years ago? Yeah, something like that. Okay, before we went to the current keeper format. Uh, I think uh, you, somebody, screwed me in the draft order, um, and I got like 14th or something, so I'm thinking, okay, I can't possibly build a team. I mean, I probably could have, but I was trying to play to the future odds. It would be hard to build a team that could win that year, picking 14th in the draft order. So I picked a lot of future players, and I got a lot of assets that I picked up that I was able to trade last year in sort of a baseball-style GM mode and turn my team into an instant winner. 
So, yeah, I could take Matt Edwards' team or anybody else's team and turn them into a winner in three years by doing, you know, similar. And and that's that kind of goes back to what we talked about at the beginning of the show with uh, the with the way the format is now compared to what Dwayne is proposing and turning this league into his, his other league is uh, right now you can find a lot of value in free agency. And where he's, whereas he's talking about how the, the teams at the bottom stay at the bottom, I think there's a lot of value that can be found in free agency for, for any team at the bottom that they can turn their fortunes around, so to speak, and get into the playoffs. Uh, so absolutely, you know, I said it, Lonnie, of course, believes that he could take a team in three years and take another playoffs. And I think it all begins with playing free agency smart, drafting smart, and making excellent trades. you got to do the research, too. I mean, and you can't just pull up Matthew Barrier, whoever's rankings, and go by that. I mean, you really got to start digging into some hardcore fantasy football sites, listening to fantasy football, quote-unquote, experts. Some are, some aren't, you know, on different uh, shows, podcasts. Really got to put a lot of time into it, but it's easily achievable if you do. Right. Um, we'll do some uh, do some parting words and we'll wrap this up. Uh, Kristen, we'll take it over to you. Uh, you got any parting words before we wrap things up? Uh, yeah, I'll go ahead and say that my parting words are: uh, you suck and you suck. Okay. Well, eloquent as always. Uh, Lonnie, give you some uh, parting words before we wrap it up. Well, based on that last response, I can see why the network executives called me in to uh, give the show a ratings boost. Um, <laughs> so uh, we'll have to do this again real soon uh, so we don't face cancellation. So, hey, uh, I'm glad we had Riverboat Juan on. Uh, thanks for taking some time to join us. Uh, parting words, you know, it was a good rivalry, um, but, you know, all good things have to come to an end. And so now I have to turn my fortune or my my uh, I have to turn my vision to Joe Wright and focus on him because he is the guy that did the impossible and ended the perfect streak. So now I have to focus on him. But you know, maybe down the road you can prove that you're you can prove your worth in your conference. Now we'll meet in the championship and we'll uh, be able to end this the right way. Because I, I was a little disappointed. I was a little disappointed in your effort through the first. The last eight games, so you, you've got to you got to bring it, Lonnie. You can't let me have the last lap like this. You're disappointed in whose effort, mine? I, I have to be, man. You let me down. I was waiting on you to beat me, and you never beat me. I feel, I feel like I've uh, the playoffs or the consolation bracket or whatever that was. I'm Goldberg without Kevin Nash. I'm, I I didn't experience that loss. So, oh, I'm disappointed. I need I need that person to rise up and beat me, Lonnie. I thought it was going to be you, but you let me down. Well, if you can get to the championship game this year, I believe it was Kevin Nash that finally beat Goldberg at, what was that, uh, Starcade or I think sold it was out? Like fall, I think it was like Fall Brawl or something Fall like Brawl. That. I think it was a January pay-per-view or Super Brawl. can't remember all those WCW shows anymore. But yeah, it was it was in a championship match, so maybe that's what it's got to take. All right, well, right now we both make it to the championship match. Let's lay down a stipulation, okay? This is my stipulation, and 
I'll, I'm going to see if uh, you'll accept. If we both make it, the loser has to mow the other one's lawn. How many times? Just once. Oh, okay, yeah, we'll do that. Yeah. <laughs> it is fun. I don't have time to mow my own lawn right now, so it, is it may be a while. You may you might be walking in the jungle for a month, but you know. It is but I don't plan on that. losing, so you'll be mowing mine. And with that, guys, we are going to wrap up another episode of the Gentleman's Lounge. Thank you, as always. Future out.